This podcast is brought to you by Eisner Award-winning Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska, and supporting listeners like you. Go to TwoHeadedNerd.com and click donate, or visit Patreon.com backslash TwoHeadedNerd to become a supporter today. Ha-cha! Hey, what's up? This is Box Brown, uh, creator of Andre the Giant, Life and Legend, and the upcoming book, Is This Guy For Real? The Unbelievable Andy Kaufman. Uh... Welcoming you to the Two-Headed Nerd Comic po- Book Podcast with Joe and Matt. Broadcasting from the Ziggurat in Omaha, deep below the metro area, it is our pleasure to welcome you to episode 470! Shut up! Of the Two-Headed Nerd Comic Book Podcast! Uh, My name is Matt Bob! Joe's got a hangover, so I'm screaming at him. My head hurts so bad, you <laughs> goddamn asshole. I'm the internet's Joe Patrick, I think. I don't know. I... I woke up like this. Each week we discuss Wednesday's new comics, comic book movies, TV news, and massively multi-murder our way through the orc-spreading nerdy rumors on the internet. Joey! Before we start this violent crusade, we better strap on our armor, sharpen our blades, take a swig of infinity serum, and unleash hell on this week's Madness! Sorry, buddy. <laughs> Quentin Tarantino, yeah, that guy. Yeah, that guy. Is in talks with Star Trek producer and former director JJ Abrams to write and direct a new Star Trek film. Let's just let that sink in for one second. This comes from the Hollywood Reporter. The duo reportedly planned to organize a writer's room to flesh out the project before formally pitching it to Paramount Pictures. Tarantino previously stated his appreciation for the Star Trek franchise going back to the 1960s television series, saying, quote, The only thing that limited them was their 60s budget and eight-day shooting schedule. You could take some of the classic Trek episodes and easily expand them to 90 minutes or oh, more. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And really do some amazing, amazing stuff. The Hateful Eight director pointed to Star Trek The Next Generation's Yesterday's Enterprise as one of his favorites of the franchise. That's a great episode. That was a really good episode. Uh, following the release of Star Trek Beyond in 2016, Paramount announced plans for a fourth film focusing on uh, Captain Kirk and his deceased father, played by uh, the world's most handsome Chris's. Thor. Chris Hemsworth and Chris Pine. Yeah. Chris and Chris. Chris and Chris. The only thing missing is Chris Evans as his Chris Evans. Ad- adorable brother. Oh, yeah. I mean, get them all in there, right? Yeah, I suppose. But nothing has happened. Nothing. Like, I think people... As for as much as the fans really liked Star Trek Beyond, I don't think it did great. No, it made good money, but I don't think Paramount was super thrilled by it. Um, let's let's just look real quick because but, I'm pretty but sure we haven't heard we haven't heard shit about them moving forward with a new Star Trek. But movie. I felt like the same thing happened with Star Trek Beyond. It was really quiet, and then all of a sudden it was like, oh, it yeah, it's coming. Like it's all right here. Let's see. So while you're looking that up, more stuff has come out. Like Tarantino wants to make an R-rated Star Trek movie. Which uh, why? Patrick Stewart's like, if Tarantino makes a, is making a Star Trek movie, I will suit back up as Captain Picard. Just call me. Oh, hell yeah. Absolutely. Uh, so I don't know. I don't know what to make of this news. I don't know how to feel about this news. Yeah, I don't know. Production budget was $185 million. The domestic total gross was only $158 million. Yeah. yeah. So I think in their eyes, it's a failure. It's still, no, it still made money worldwide. It ended up at 343 Yes, I know, but like... Technically, yes, but so did Superman versus Batman, and they're still really mad about it. Right. You know, so... Well, they made money on it. They were mad about the critical failure. Right. But... But, So I think in the studio's eyes, Star Trek Beyond... I don't know. ...did not perform. I have a feeling we're still going to get more Star Trek. They're not just going to let that go. Uh, Tarantino, I would trust to do anything. I trust him to do absolutely anything. I don't know, Would it be... I feel like if if he respects Star Trek as much as he says he does... I feel like he would pay it the same amount of respect that he does the old like B Western movies and black exploitation movies that he makes. You know what I mean? I would say, you know, I would have said the same thing if you had told me that Seth MacFarlane was making a comedy homage to Star Trek. And it's wonderful. And I, at, if I had heard that, <laughs> I would have said no fucking way. Yeah. And the Orville, I'm just going to come out and say it. It's better than the new Star Trek. I mean, I love the new Star Trek, but Orville is really great. I, I really like the new Star Trek. I'm not saying it's bad, but every week I watch it and I go, yeah, okay. It's Star Trek. Nah, <laughs> it's like, good. All right, it's really good. Yeah. <laughs> 
No, I would be fine with this. I'd be totally fine. It's with just this. so weird. This it's is like so weird. About ten years ago, there was talk about him doing another Friday the Thirteenth movie too, and that never happened. So who knows? Maybe this is just a cocaine talking. Maybe. I mean, you never know with Tarantino. Maybe, maybe, maybe him and JJ got all like coked up one weekend. Oh yeah. <laughs> From our Doctor Strange desk, co-writers Donny Cates and Nick Spencer and artist Rod Rice will delve into the fallout of Secret Empire with Doctor Strange Great. Damnation, in which Strange will travel to Las Vegas to attempt to repair the damage done to the city in Hydra's attack. During this past summer's crossover, I thought we were done with this. Las Vegas got hosed pretty bad in yeah, Secret Empire. Yeah, yeah, apparently. Um, I think I... Saw maybe a panel of that. I don't know. Issue number one is due out on shelves in February. That is a long time after this ended. 2018. Here's a solicit. The city, yeah, whatever. We get it. Originally thought to be a self-contained five-issue <laughs> series, it now appears that Damnation will be a multi-book crossover. Appearing in the main Doctor Strange series, Iron Fist, Ben Riley, Scarlet Spider, and a new project starring the Johnny Blaze ghostwriter. <sighs> I like Johnny Blaze. I, I do, too. Do you care at all about anything that happened in Secret Empire or anything that happened after it? No, but I do like <laughs> Doctor Strange. I do like Doctor Strange. And I do like Donny Cates. You didn't read the solicit. I'm going to read the solicit. Oh, the City of Sin gets its biggest sinner yet. When Doctor Strange raises Las Vegas up from its destruction, he inadvertently opens a big door for the embodiment of evil. Mephisto! Whoops. Yeah. The devilish villain takes the city for himself and sets his sights on the rest of the world. Blah, 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 bloop. Uh, so, yeah, Doctor Strange trying to fix this terrible thing accidentally summons Mephisto to Earth. I guess. Bad news, bro. No, but why do we have to do this in the wake of Fallen Empire or Secret Empire or whatever? You know? Well, I mean, this thing did happen in the Marvel Universe. I guess. Can't we just ignore it? I don't think they're going to, like, revisit the themes of Secret Empire. They're just dealing with what happened. I just feel like everybody else is ignoring it. <laughs> yeah, that's probably true. <laughs> you, know? Oh, you know, actually, no, I read a book this week that, men uh, that mentioned... Um, Secret Empire. Somebody was real mad about their mom getting killed or something. <laughs> God shit, damn it, I don't mom. even remember. So I don't even pissed. remember what book I was, I was reading. <laughs> um, so Donny Cates said this about the event. You know, we all we all talked uh, about how in Marvel Legacy they weren't going to do any line wide, line wide events. Right. So anytime there's talk of something like this coming up, everyone's like, oh, no events, I thought, huh? huh? That's not what they meant. No, you idiot. This is like a very small contained event, and Donny Cates talked about that, saying that when he and Spencer began talking about the story, they started gravitating towards those little corner events, they called them, like Annihilation. Sure. Which focuses uh, just on specific corners of the Marvel Universe. And this is, uh, he wants to make a sort of Annihilation, but for magic. Oh, okay. And I think that sounds kind of fun. Yeah, that's super cool. Sure. I agree, Secret Empire. Meh. Yeah, that just puts a bad taste and in it. And I don't need Nick Spencer to be involved in it. I just want this to be a Doctor Strange event written by Donny Cates. Sure. But I just don't understand why I have to do it in that. I like Rod Rice a lot. I do, too. The Johnny Blaze getting his own book or whatever's happening That's great. seems kind of good. I'm tired of the Ghost Driver, man. I just, I don't care. Ghost Driver. I don't care. We'll see. Joe Patrick, can we go to our uh, old-timey radio play desk for this next yes, story? Yes, yes. We were just making jokes last week about radio plays, and here we are. <laughs> it's happening. <laughs> Reported by Mashable, Marvel and Stitcher will partner for Wolverine, colon, The Long Night, a 10-episode scripted podcast by Green Arrow's Benjamin Percy and starring the Hobbit actor Richard Armitage as Wolverine. I'm the best there is at what I do, see? And what I do ain't pretty. <laughs> it's, not, it's, not, it's not like the Bickersons. <laughs> Hume Cronin. Darling, Wolverine. <laughs> Say it isn't so. Somebody's just slightly off mic banging pots together. <laughs> Wolverine the Long Night I'm is... I'm it's true, my dear. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, it's the Wendigo. <laughs> Wolverine the Long Night is written by Ben Percy, who of course is known for writing Green Arrow and Teen Titans over at DC at the moment. Uh, in the story, Logan is the prime suspect in a series of murders in Alaska. Full stop. I guess that's the whole story. All right, there you uh, go. The Long Night. I mean, that's a bummer. Yeah, right. The Long Night will also star the voice talents of 30 Rocks, Scott Adsit, Academy Award nominee Bob Balaban. Oh, Scott Adsit. He was the bald dude. Yeah. Okay. Uh, comedian Chris Gethard. Love Gethard. Gethard. <laughs> and a host of Broadway stars for some reason. I like, love Chris Gethard. He's really good. 
Uh, we don't need to read all this shit. No. Why? Why is this a thing? I don't thing? know. I, okay, here's why. There's a bunch of hit podcasts that have happened recently, that, that and some of them were sort of billed at first as being a true story, and then as you got as you dug into it, you're like, oh, okay, this isn't true, but it's really well written. Like there was one, oh, God, I can't say the name of it. It was like a time travel thing. And and they've become kind of a hit, and people are really digging on them. Well, there's a lot of like scripted podcasts sure. out there right now, like sure. Welcome to Night Vale, but and they've become pretty big. Some yeah, of them got thrilling huge. adventure hour. And my theory is Marvel's like, well, let's just throw our hat at this and see what happens. And who do we use? Of course, we use Wolverine. You know, sure. Uh, my question is why <laughs> the the guys that created the thrilling adventure hour already work for Marvel, Ben Acker and Ben Blacker. Where are they? Maybe Why they thought didn't it was stupid. <laughs> Maybe they were like, that's a dumb idea. Maybe they Let's did. not do Maybe that. Maybe they did. <laughs> uh, so Percy was talking about this nonsense, and he says that the Long Night also has the opportunity to expand into an entire Marvel podcast continuity. Oh, boy. That's right. A separate continuity just for the Marvel podcast I verse. I don't think I need this. I don't know. You know what my favorite thing about comics is? Looking at the pictures, right? And <laughs> sorry, I think it, I think there was talk about it being on a, a new premium service that Stitcher's starting, which means you're gonna have to pay for it. No, oh boy, that'll work out really well. I don't think this is a great idea. No, we were just about to run out of premium services, so this is great. It's a good I mean, thing that there are no more freed podcasts to listen to. No, they're we're out. They're gone. <laughs> I now, can I just pay for some, please? Come on! I'm not excited about this. No, it just sounds dumb, and I don't mean to be so dismissive, but I think this sounds dumb. Like, am I, I wrong? Are we wrong? Hit us up. I'm not down on the Are idea of scripted podcasting or using podcasts as a medium for storytelling. Yeah. I think that this specifically sounds dumb. It sounds dumb. It sounds like a bad idea. It sounds like a bad idea for comics. It's a visual fucking medium, you know? TV? I get it. Movies? Absolutely. But, I mean, to be fair, I also don't get into, like, there's always been for years like comic book novelizations well and not to mention like audiobooks and stuff too I just, yeah i don't get into that either i don't, I don't either. get into comic I've, book novels i don't either it's just not the place like i read novels for a different thing not for my superhero if i wanted to read a real book i'd fucking go to the library <laughs> shut up <laughs> so there's your nerd news for this week and of course we want to hear from you on these stories and everything we missed hit us up shortly here at 402-819-4894. It's going to be way too late by the time they hear this. And share your thoughts with us on these stories and more. But before we turn the show over to the internet, Joey, it's time for us to play Critic. Let's discuss a couple of this week's new comics. Why don't you lead us off with your main review? Yes, sir. You're not my sir. I don't know why I said that. My main review is Justice League number 34 from DC Comics, written by Christopher Priest. I know. Wow. Art by Pete Woods. It's 32 pages for $2.99. When the Justice League is confronted by three concurrent threats, a sleep-deprived Batman makes a crucial error that causes an unthinkable and potentially unforgivable tragedy. Did he put the decimal in the wrong place? Yeah, he did. Shit. Uh, legendary Eisner Award winner. Yabba yabba yabba. We know all this. I feel like I've been waiting half my life for Christopher Priest to return to the Justice League. Old guys like me might, might remember that he wrote Justice League Task Force. Yes, he did. In the early to mid-90s. Back when there were like seven running Justice League There were League lots books. of them. They had matching jackets. <laughs> yeah, it, was it was awesome. It was crazy. These heroes are the best of the best, handling multiple threats from the cosmic to the mundane. Nobody is squabbling. No one is acting like an impetuous fool. Priest's Justice League is a finely tuned machine with each cog working together in perfect tandem, except one. Batman falls prey to his human weakness. Diarrhea. Diarrhea. Cha-cha-cha. <laughs> while coordinating multiple squads in the field, while one crisis is narrowly averted, Batman's failure costs someone their life. Wonder Woman. Yes, she's dead. I'm sorry. I couldn't believe it. It is a compelling side of the Dark Knight that we don't see too often. We don't really get to see Batman... When he succumbs to like his human feelings. No, like, no, no. He's just a guy. We see like his paranoia bite him in the ass every once in right. a while, but that's it. I love how Priest juggles the personalities of the league members here. Everyone has a distinct voice, from Batman's overconfidence to the uncertainty of the newer recruits, Simon and Jessica, to the brotherly concern of Superman. 
the script felt more like the Justice League than anything that the new 52 or even early Rebirth issues had to offer. Simon and Jessica are the new Wonder Twins, right? They're the Green Lanterns, yes. Yeah, the new Wonder Twins. Mm -hmm. Cool. Priest understands that the flashy spectacle that comes with a book like this is hollow without the personality to back it up. That was my main complaint. Yeah. With the Justice League relaunch yes. with New 52. First of all, I love Cyborg just as much as the next guy. It's stupid to make him a founding Justice yeah, League member. Yeah, it's dumb. It's dumb. Make him a new Justice League member. Sure. And why can't he be there with the Martian Manhunter? Right. Like, what's the problem? I mean, I don't want to turn into a platform for bashing the New 52, but uh, I also really hate the idea that, like, the first storyline in Justice League took place five years in the past. Then they jumped forward to the present day. Nobody else joined the Justice League for five years? No. That was the great thing about the Nobody's Justice good League. Nobody's good enough. <laughs> is the expanding, the constantly changing yeah, roster. Yeah, People yes. came and went. Sometimes Superman wasn't there. Right. But no, it was always the Justice League. Or it was always the same five damn people. Yeah. Uh, Boring. But now we've got the new Green Lanterns, which is kind of fun. And uh, Priest writes everybody great. I love it. I've been a fan of Pete Woods for over 20 years now. I remember, what was it, Robin? What was the first thing we saw? I think Pete it was Robin. On? I think it would have been the 90s Robin with yeah. Chuck Dixon, right? And I don't know where he's been keeping himself lately. I love this guy. He's back at DC now, and he's killing it. Woods juggles the grandeur of an intergalactic invasion force and the intimate action of a one-room hostage crisis with equal skill. His page layouts are varied. They're never dull. And there's one page where he does this thing. He uh, designs the panels to look like a W when Wonder Woman comes in. Oh, neat. It was super fun. A good Justice League story is more than just flashy art and cosmic conflict. These are iconic characters with big personalities. They need to be given a chance to shine. Priest and Woods nail that in this issue. I'm saying this is one of the best Justice League issues I've read in years. It's yeah, I'm, a huge bias. I'm with me. you. DC seems to have gotten stuck in this... Okay, you know the characters. We don't need to reintroduce them. Here's another big bad guy for them to fight. Right. And here's the next big bad guy for them to it's fight. It's boring. Yeah. It, it's almost like they were going for sort of the Jeff Johns Green Lantern sort of uh, formula where one big bad leads to the next big bad, needs, leads to an even bigger bad, leads to a cosmic bad. Okay, yeah. let's start back over. Big bad, you know. And right, right. Without any personality whatsoever. And right. I think Priest absolutely, he grew up writing in a time where comics had a lot of personality. Sometimes it was lame. Sometimes it was great. But yeah. you can't deny that DC characters didn't have more personality. And that's what I loved about Mark Wade's run on JLA and, and Graham, Morrison. Graham Morrison's run on JLA, especially. Yep. And yeah, I'm hoping they let Priest bring some more characters in, cycle them through. They don't need to be permanent members. They could show up for one mission. We could say like, sure. oh man, we need the Atom for this one thing, you know, or whatever. Just do it. Uh, huge buy it for me though. Pete Woods, Damn, that guy's good. I love him. Woo. Well, Matt, speaking of cosmic conflict, yes. what's your main review this week? My main review is Barbarella, number one from Dynamite. It's written by Mike Carey with art by Ken Keenan, K-E-N-A-N. We'll say Keenan. Keenan and Kel, yes. Keenan Yarar, 32 pages for $3.99. Here was your solicit. Earth's star-crossed daughter is back. When Barbarella wanders into a war zone, the theocratic rulers of Parogia arrest and imprison her. A prison break is a Bruin. But now that she knows what the Parosians do to their own citizens, Barbarella decides to make the fight her own. When I was 10 years old, I first encountered Jane Fonda as Barbarella on HBO. This was back when I was being raised by cable TV in Waco, Texas. Now, at 10, it's hard to say I found myself titillated about what I saw. But... Miss Fonda's opening scene definitely changed the way I thought about ladies from then on. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Here, Mike Carey does a very solid job holding on to the kink of the original film while hitting on some very modern themes of sexism and religious persecution of women. Much like some Muslim societies, the Perosians are an extreme religious sect that believe women's reproductive organs cause them to rebel. Yeah, but th and this very... was definitely not a Muslim allegory. This was no, like no. a Catholic allegory. I'm not saying it was a sure. Muslim allegory. I'm just saying... They had, like, cathedral ships. Yes, but... Yeah. Muslims are the ones that mutilate generals. I get it, but they all, there's lots of organized religions sure. have lots of problems with ladies' sexuality. No, absolutely. And that's what they're touching on here. So, of course, they remove said organs to stop any further problems. They steal their jokes! 
Damn! <laughs> Barbarella is taken captive and undergoes the procedure before being thrown into a prison where she teaches the other ladies that sex and passion don't necessarily involve men, which, of course, devolves into a giant prison orgy. Carrie is telling a very kinky story of female empowerment along with the art of Urar that gives this book the psychedelic feel it needs based on the movie. Urar's art is amazing at times, but when he's drawing when he's drawing space fleet, it's it's so weird. But there's other times that it's very inconsistent from page to page. Specifically when he's doing faces, it gets odd and kind of scribbly. Now, having Kenneth Roquefort, Joe Jesco, and Joseph Michael Linsner on covers might not be that fair to the guy, though. <laughs> you know what I mean? He has a very European style that works well and keeps the story tasteful enough, even at its most naughty. I didn't come into Barbarella expecting much, but both Carrie and Yurar obviously did their homework, and they told a very solid story. I'm giving it a strong skimmit. Yeah, um... It's a skimmit for me as well. I've never seen Barbarella. I mean, I'm aware of it, but... Uh, so I have, like, no connection to the character... I think that Mike Carey is trying to tell a really interesting story, touching on some modern themes, like you said. Uh, But then he kind of like cuts his own feet out from under him by then having an orgy scene. It just seemed odd to me. But that's Barbarella, baby. I get it, but I don't. I'm I'm thinking that maybe Barbarella is not. It's a different time. Barbarella is from a different time. No, I just I I agree, but I also disagree. Like Barbarella's like power was her love and her sensuality, uh, but it sure. was hers, and she owned it, and you yep. don't get to fuck with it. You know? I get it. I get it. And I'm not saying that like Mike Carey shouldn't be able to tell this story. I'm saying that for me as a reader to like be making this point about consent and. The criminalizing sexual behavior, even just criminalizing a person's very being, right, uh, was definitely undercut by then having them <laughs> start making out. It's just well, it's, how else would they do it? <laughs> I mean, come on, that's the what do you ultimate, mean, how else would they do it? That's the ultimate revenge on these male assholes that trapped them all for being for just being women. But I mean, no, none of the guys that were perpetrating these crimes against these women were there to witness it. Like they didn't have revenge on anybody. That wasn't the point. She was freeing them. I get it, man. I understand (laughs) what you're saying. I'm telling you that for me, it didn't work. Um, the art is bizarre. It's weird. It's very bizarre. Yeah. Very European. uh, Like you said. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, the designs are cool. The, you you know, the, the, the designs of the ships and the, and the alien, um, costuming and things. It's all very neat. And then the faces are just straight up bizarre. Yeah. It's like I, he has a problem know. with point of view or something. I don't and know. And like is. when from certain angles it seems okay. And then he'll draw a character in profile. Yeah. And it will look like their face got caved in with a hammer. Yeah, yeah. It's really it's, weird. It's 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 odd. Uh, I'm giving it a skim it because I did like the story. Yeah. For the most part. This could have devolved into porn very easily. Yes. And I, like, I'm not being prudish about it. I'm just saying it didn't completely work for me. But your mileage may vary, so it's a skimmit. And you're a prude. So there's our main reviews, but we want to hear from you nerds. We'll post these over at THN.com so you can respond over on the THN forums in our review section or even the THN fanbook Facebook fan page, fanbook. that is, where I am persona get the fuck out of here. But now it's time for Joe and I to jump into the THN cave crawler and speed through the network of tunnels surrounding the ziggurat while we scream through reviews of eight more of this week's new comics nerds. This is the Ludicrous Speed Round. Ludicrous Speed, go! Jupiter Jet, number one from Action Lab. Our pals Jason Inman and Ashley Robinson debut their first comic, The Adventures of a Plucky Young Robin Hood with a Jetpack. I love the concept and the mid-30s Art Deco setting. The art by Ben Matsuya is full of interesting anatomical choices, but he's got a lot of potential. Like everybody's got big hogs. (laughs) It's a kid's book. All in all, Jupiter Jet is a great first outing for a group of talented up-and-comers. I didn't know. (laughs) It's a buy-it. Claws and the Crisis in Eximusville, number one from Boom. Holy shit, Dan Mora is an amazing artist with a style that reminds me of Sean Phillips meets Walter Simonson. 
Graham Morrison is back spinning another bizarre Santa story that works so well, it's stupid. <laughs> the comic is impossible not to love and perfect for anyone that ever wanted to see Santa with a WWE build and a sword fighting aliens that want to steal children's imagination. I love this. What? It was a huge buy it. <laughs> the consultant, number one from Danger Zone. Jason Starr and Daniel Maine bring us the story of Marcus Greenberg, the man tasked with cleaning up the messes left behind by the world's greatest heroes. Accidentally kill a prostitute with your super strength? Once or twice. He's yeah. your man. It is a darkly interesting twist on superhero archetypes. Maybe a little too dark. I think this would have worked better with a bit of humor, kind of like Garth Ennis style. So he's like the Ray Donovan of superheroes. I guess. I don't know no Ray Donovan. It's a great show. He's a fixer. He's a Hollywood fixer. Ah. Maine's art is decent. It's a little bland, though, uh, but I liked his hero designs. I'm giving it a skim it. It's fun. Okay. Faith's Winter Wonderland special from Valiant. This was a perfectly well-executed one-shot featuring Faith taking a winter break to visit the host of an Alice in Wonderland TV show she loved as a child, and that's where the story lost me. First of all, Alice in Wonderland, not a Christmas story. Second, who goes to visit the host of their most beloved TV show for Christmas? Imagine if I tracked down Paul Rubens because I love Pee-wee's Playhouse so much that it changed my life. I'd end up in jail. Maybe but you'd Faith, be best friends. <laughs> but Faith, of course, finds out there was some kind of reality behind the fall of her favorite TV show, and it really was Wonderland or something. The art by Francis Portella and MJ Kim was really solid, but the story did not work. I'm giving it a skim it. Hawkeye, 13, from Marvel. Kate and Clint reunite for Marvel Legacy, courtesy of writer Kelly Thompson and artist Leonardo Romero. Not Leandro, that's a different guy. Gotcha. Thompson's script is almost effortlessly charming. Romero is a perfect fit for the artistic legacy started by Daniel Aja way back during the Matt Fraction Hawkeye run. I don't know how I let myself get so far behind on a title that's so damn good. Hawkeye 13 gets a huge buy it. Even if you're a lapsed fan like me, you can just jump right in. It's really good. Paradiso, number one from Image. Paradiso was weird, and there was a lot going on. The story takes place in a dystopic future where tech is everywhere, but most have no idea how to use it, let alone fix it. I think. Again, a lot going on here. But artist Dev Pramanik draws the hell out of this story. Pramanik puts so much detail in every panel here. It's like it's the last thing he will ever be remembered for drawing, and wow, is he talented. Think Carlos Escalera of 2000 AD fame meets Frank Miller. This was a beautiful book to look at. Even though the story left me wondering if I missed a setup, I can't deny this guy's art. I have to give it a buy it. Witchblade, number one from Image. Everyone was talking about this book. Yeah, the 90s bad girl title gets a complete reboot with a female creative team thanks to writer Caitlin Kitteridge and artist Roberta in Granata. I guess I just thought Witchblade was still out there somewhere. <laughs> no, the Witchblade book ended a few years ago. This is the story of Alex Underwood, a young woman resurrected at the moment of her death by a mystical artifact and given the task to fight the demons that walk among us. I'm not sure that I'm hooked enough to keep reading long term, but this was definitely an unexpected and welcome departure from the mostly topless, butt-flossing character that I remember. All right. Witchblade number one gets a strong skimmit. Oof, this title's terrible. Amazing Spider-Man and Venom, colon, Venom, Inc. Alpha from Marvel. Yeah, what are you doing? Clunkiest title ever, right? But the good news is, if Edge of Venomverse didn't tickle your pickle, and it shouldn't have because it was a complete waste of time, this issue sees Amazing Spider-Man writer Dan Slott and Venom writer Mike Costa teaming up to try and let readers actually know what's going on with Venom. And I forgot how much was going on with Venom for a while there. Ryan Stegman is on art and seems to be doing some type of Howard Chaikin impersonation, but even better than Chaikin would do it. Does that make sense? No. I don't know. That doesn't make any sense. I didn't want to care about this, but I did. I'm giving it a strong skim it because it seems like they're trying to clean up the mess that is Venom. Well, if you liked it, then why isn't it a buy it? Um, because I don't know if I care about the mess that is Venom enough to make it a buy I mean, we'll see. Maybe when it's all said and done. Bip, bip, bip. That is your Looper Speed round. And bip, 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 boop is the sound of Barbarella's ship getting snatched by space zealots as seen in the pages of Barbarella number one. Did you submit this? 
I did, yeah, because okay. I forgot to ask. This onomatopoeia of the week was submitted by Joey Patrick, but if you've got a break between your prison orgies and want to submit some onomatopoeias of the week... If you just got your junk stolen... Hit us up on any of our social media or shoot us an email, nerd at gmail.com. The only rule is something from that week's comics, a noise you liked. That's it. Also, if you want to read our full reviews along with other reviews from the Love Slaves, head over to the review section of TwoHeadedNerd.com. It's been newly reduxed. It's been newly reduxed, yeah. yeah I shuffled great. it a little bit. Matt, it's time to decorate the Sanctum Sanctorum with bullet casings, sandbags, and mosquito nets. Next week is our big war on Xmas party. Oh, 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 I thought next week was the annual Hanukkah drunk show. Yeah, 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 that too. Turns out celebrating anything but Christmas pisses the enemy off. That's true. <laughs> so you grab our black Jewish Santa with the weaponized stars of David. Star of David? Stars of David. There's only one David. <laughs> know, There's several stars. I gotcha. Well, like I tell- attorney's general. <laughs> <laughs> While I tell these nerds about my must-read pick for next week. All right. I guess my must-read pick for next week is coming up now. Yes. Action Comics 993. It's so close, you guys. This is from DC Comics, written and illustrated by Dan Jurgens, originally solicited as art by Brett Booth. Well, creative differences? What no, I think they just they got Jurgens to draw the first two parts of the story because right, he created right. the character. Here's your solicit. Booster shot! Part one. As Superman struggles to cope with Mr. Oz's true identity, it's his daddy. Yeah. The Man of Steel turns to the only hero, quote unquote, he knows who can prove once and for all if Oz's story is true. Booster gold. But a massive power doesn't want our heroes venturing through time and will do anything it can to sabotage our journey. Okay. It's the return of Booster Gold, baby. I love him. Dan Jurgens created the character in the 80s. Yeah. He's writing and drawing him in this storyline. Yeah. Totally in. Superman knows, right? Knows it's his dad. Yeah, it was revealed. Okay. Like he was, right. he revealed himself. I'm a little behind. I just, but like I'm just accepting it's not a secret. No, it's not a secret. My pick for next week is Giants! Number one from Dark Horse. Wow. Written by Carlos Valderrama and with art by Miguel Valderrama. They are known as the Valderrama Bros. Where is Wilmer Valderrama <laughs> in this mess? I can't answer that. 32 pages for $3.99. Here's your solicit. A cataclysm of unknown origins unleashed a race of gigantic monsters whose presence has driven humanity underground. There, two orphans discover that the most dangerous monster is ambition, which, unchecked, will grow until it devours you. Wow, how poignant. Wow. Um, I can't find shit about these brothers online other than they. this is their first American work. And their art looks incredible. It looks like Jeff Smith meets sort of uh, Otomo, sort of Akira looking type stuff. It's it's cartoony. like Howard Shaken, but somehow better. <laughs> it's like cartoony, but also sort of manga inspired. And it looks really cool. And the giant monsters look awesome. And we all know I have a soft spot for giant monsters. There so go. there you go. The THN trade of the week goes to JSA by Jeff Johns, book one. It's a trade paperback from DC Comics. It's written by James Robinson, David Goyer, and Jeff Johns. Somebody tell the marketing people that Jeff Johns did not write the first six issues of JSA. Didn't they co-write it? Five issues. No. David Goyer and James Robinson oh, that's right. wrote that's JSA right. like zero through five or one through five. Yeah. And then Jeff Johns came on board. And it was fine, but feel free to ignore him and just start with Jeff Johns stuff. No, no. The, the first arc is great. It's the return of Dr. Fate. Yeah. Here's your solicit. Oh, for, uh, first off, art by Steve Sadowski, who is wonderful, and various, who were kind of uh, mixed feelings. It's 392 pages for $34.99. Here's your solicit. Okay. Mixing heroes such as Green Lantern, The Flash, and Wildcat with a younger generation of crime fighters like Starman, Black Canary, Hawkgirl, Adam Smasher, and the Star Spangled Kid, Jeff Johns, and James Robinson and David Coyer <laughs> reimagined the world's first super team in these tales from JSA 1 through 15 and JSA Secret Files number one. The adventure begins as the team battles Mordru to protect the magical heroes of the DC universe. When we go on and on and on and on and on to an annoying degree about the legacy of the DC universe, this is what we mean. Yes. If you've never read JSA, Pick up this book. Yes. It's amazing. It's wonderful. It's so good. It really is. 
That's all I have to say about it. Okay. It's one of my favorite books ever. So there you go. There's our picks for next week, kids. Let us know what you guys are reading, as always. But now it's time to check in with this week's episode of THN Cover to Cover. This is just a few of the calls we got. The full uncut show, including our chat, lives on our YouTube page where you can actually see the fun. If you want to play along, follow us on Facebook. Well, you have to like us, I guess. And tune in to our Facebook Live cover-to-cover show every Saturday morning from 11 to 12.30 Central Standard Time. We set up the news and discussion, and then you can call us at 402-819-4894 or click our Call Now button on our Facebook page. And we'll wrap with you live on the internets. Joe, before we get started here, though, can you please reset the question of the week? This question came from our regular listener, friend, contributor. Black Scorpion number three via the THN forums. He asks, there's a seventh Transformers movie in production? Yeah, seven. Michael Bay's career is devoted to ruining something I loved as a kid. Who is your comic book, Michael Bay, slayer of comics that you once cared about? So, so there you have it. So the guy that came in and destroyed your just favorite killed comic book your world. love, <laughs> the comic book destroyer of worlds. <laughs> so there's the news. You've got your question, Matt. Open the phone lines. Thank you for calling THN Cover to Cover. Caller, who this? That's uh, Mark Flips. What up, Flips? Flips. First time caller, yeah. Mark Flips. Yeah. What do you want to rap yeah, about today, well, buddy? Well, man, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I listen to you guys. I work Saturdays all the time, so most of the time I'm walking around a construction site and listening to uh, you guys banter back and forth with theories and things. And um, so we're like your we're like your nerdy Jim Rome. Well, yeah, totally. It's it's, it's exactly <laughs> like Jim Rome, only like for uh, for dorks, right? Uh, <laughs> right. A lot of yeah, a lot of hot air. I'll take uh, it. Yep, that's true. A yeah. lot of hot air. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, quick question. Like, I don't pay attention to a lot of these things. As you know, all of my, uh, comic and nerd stuff comes from, uh, osmosis just so, you know, soaking it in from you guys. Sure. Uh, but you know, I saw, uh, a while back, somebody wrote something, uh, with a theory about the force awakens and you guys were just talking about, you know, does Leia get, get shot by Kylo or whatever. Right. And, you know, I don't know how true this is or if it's been shot down, but, you know, I heard this thing, like, uh, this idea that Kylo didn't actually kill Han. What? Yeah. How do you mean he didn't if you actually watch kill Han? What? He pushed the yeah. lightsaber through his stomach and Han falls off a platform. Let no, him talk. I, know, I know. I understand that. Okay. But they, they back it up and they reshow the scene. And, that, and this could just be bullshit because I've only seen the movie, like, well, I saw it a bunch of times in the theater, but a bunch of time had passed. So I don't, it, this is the internet. So they may have edited the scene right. for their bullshit theory, but they made it sound like, and you remember how Kylo's like, look, I know what I have to do, uh, but I, but I don't know how. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Han's like, here, you know, let me help you. And then you see them grab the lightsaber together. Like, like Han's going to take it. And then Kylo has this look on his face and, the idea is that Han turns the lightsaber on himself so his son doesn't kill him to take the step to the dark side. What? Oh. What? And you want to watch the scene again, <laughs> and they look at each other, and you see, you see Kylo Ren's smile. Yeah. Almost like, you know, you think, hey, oh, it's a sinister smile, but maybe he's actually smiling because he didn't have to do it because he is conflicted. You know, you see all through the movie, he's throwing these tamper, tantrums and shit fits. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. You know, he's a brat. Definitely. So Han goes there. And they grab the lightsaber and he starts to pull it away and they both look at each other. But you don't actually see, I don't think you actually see Kyle put his thumb on that handle. No, you don't. No, the way so it's he, shot. You, the in idea fact, is that he twists it. You just hear it. He kills himself. And then they pan back and, it. and you see the lightsaber coming out of Han's back. But like, they, yeah, they right. don't show like him like, right. die, Which I father, think, or whatever. You know, in a, in, a, in a universe of bullshit theories abound, uh, like that, I was like, ah, that one's actually pretty good. That's not a bad one. You know, it's so not a bad I, one at all. Especially when I saw that, when I saw that, when I saw that trailer where they show again, Kylo looked like a total jerk staring down the sights in a, in a starfighter. Yeah. I mean, are you, 
is that it? Does something else blow the ship up? Is he staring it down? Does he get shot before that happens? I don't know, but he definitely, has know? A, he definitely has a tear in yeah, his I, eye. I mean, dude, they show Leia and then there's an yeah, explosion. Does somebody, does, does somebody else like yank the rug out from him again? So he can't kill his other parent or does he actually do it? This You know? Yeah. I don't know. And then later in that same trailer, well, I don't know, man. We Think see, about it again. I, ha- we I see- haven't actually watched a scene again since, since, uh, I heard that theory. And that was a little while ago since I read that. But I thought it was pretty good. I don't hate and that, that leaves theory him, at that all. Leaves him open. It leaves well, no, I'm just, it leaves him open for redemption. I, I don't like the, you know, whatever. I'm just saying. I'm not saying it's like good or bad, but right. it seemed like plausible. What if he's an inside man? No, he, yeah. no, he's not an inside man. He's a double agent. You got to think about this, yeah, because n- he's like Donnie Brasco. Nobody was watching. He's in too deep. The, as far as <laughs> as far as as far as Kyle, well, oh, okay, geez. maybe he's in too deep. <laughs> as far as Han and Kylo knew, nobody was watching them on that platform. They were alone. So yeah. why go through the motions if he's faking it? Oh man, you know what? If that's if that's true, if that's true, well, if that's true of Han, like turning a lightsaber on himself, that really makes the whole scene with Chewie screaming like a hundred times worse. Yeah, totally. <laughs> it does. Yeah, yeah. Like watching his buddy, like, <laughs> like, oh my god. <laughs> yeah, because he, he, know, he even said to Leia, then she's like, "Where are you going?" He's like, "I'm gonna go get our son." Sure. You know, and yeah. like, so maybe, yeah, that. Like he knew, like, like, does he know? Like a lot of that makes sense. And especially looking in this latest trailer where uh, Kylo Ren is talking to Ray and she's like, I need to know where my place is in this. And he's like, come with me and I'll, and I'll, we'll learn together or something like that. You know, and maybe, yeah, you know, maybe he's you not know, and the bad like guy. I said, I'm no, uh, I'm no pro like at this. I know there's other people who have been like, you know, scrubbing over these trailers and have, have seen the movie even different cuts that I probably never seen. Probably, I'm sure there's somebody listening right now going, ah, that's so stupid. How do you, how does that kind of think that even happened? Everybody you knows know? that we charge our banks before he turn himself into snoop. Everybody knows. <laughs> He's a moron. He don't even watch Star Wars. Yeah. But, uh, I, I, but I thought it was good. I, and man, I think it makes, if that's, if that's the case, that kind of makes Han Solo like the baddest, the baddest dude ever, man. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to let you. Nope. Yeah. Or especially if he's like, look, I, I'm not going to be the reason that you fully turn to the dark side. No. Yeah. No way. Yeah. You, you, if you're going to do it, it's not going to be because of me. Yeah. So it's almost like this last ditch, like jumping on the grenade for everybody else. So you there know? you go. Pretty cool. And if you think about it, Kylo Ren does look really shocked after it happens. Yeah. He kind of looks like he stops and then he kind of smiles like. And at first glance, it could be like, oh, fuck, I just killed my dad. Or it could also be like, oh, fuck, dad just killed right. himself. I gotta, like all I the reactions w- and the way the scene is shot, it could, be, it could be two completely different things depending on what you're, what you're thinking, you know? Yeah. I got to watch so this I, movie I again because I, I feel like, like I love a good redemption story. And uh, like I'm all for it. I'm all for for Ben Solo coming back well, from the dark side. Yeah, I mean, um, the first three movies were the redemption of Darth Vader. Yeah, but right. I'm saying that like if if he kills Leia, right, there's no coming back. If if Kylo Ren kills oh, no. Leia, I don't care if he's got a tear in his eye or not. You don't come back from that. You can't be the hero. What Darth if, Vader was not the right. hero. What if it's all part of the plan? Like Darth Vader. Like, and I know this is prequel stuff, but like. Darth Vader slaughtered women and children. Well, sure. Because Darth <laughs> like, Vader was bad for a while there. He was yeah, evil. No, he's bad. Darth Vader is bad. But then he redeemed himself. Period. No, you don't kill one bad guy and, yeah. and save one life. He said he was sorry. He killed the bad guy. <laughs> no. He took the helmet off. We found out he was white, you know, and like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know. Yep, yep, that's right. That's my favorite scene. Deep down, we all want to be white. Yeah, <laughs> that's what we learned. <laughs> What's a newbie? The blackest dude in the galaxy is a shriveled up old white dude. Yes. We remember who the comedian was. He was talking about how, like, it's like the Darth Vader takes off his mask and that beautiful that was, deep. That no, chasing, it was from Chasing, chasing Amy. Amy. Oh, chasing Amy. Was, that's right. Yeah. The, the, one, Amy. the one yeah. good part of that movie. Right, exactly. Yeah. The best part of that movie is the first half hour. Literally. That movie, that movie starts out with that scene and it's the funniest thing ever. And then it just goes downhill. Yeah, it really <laughs> does. It gets Kevin Smith yeah, yeah. from there. Yeah, it really does. It gets full on Kevin Smith. Mark, thank you for your call yeah, and that, your yeah. theory. That was awesome. Yep. Good to talk to you, buddy. <laughs> Have a good one. <laughs> don't, uh, it don't, was awesome. don't step in any giant pits on the construction. Yeah. Side, yeah. Right? Be careful over there. Pay attention. Will you? Look, I'm done. I'm going to go home and get a coffee. I watched The Punisher. Those places are dangerous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll tell you what. (laughs) Oh, yeah, man. Rusty Rebar. 
Yeah, tetanus everywhere. <laughs> All right, be careful out there, buddy. Tetanus. All right, later. Tetanus. <laughs> That's a really good theory. Amy, you want to talk Star Wars? Now's your chance. Yeah, yeah, hit us. The call, the phones are open. Come on. And I'm willing to cut these jerks off. Just because someone's talking doesn't mean you can't call in. If they've been there for a while, I'll cut them off. Our buddy care. Kyle in the chat's like, I think I'm the only nerd that doesn't like Star Wars. Please don't hate me. I don't think you're the only nerd that doesn't like Star Wars. Well, I've heard that from that lots of people. Sure. I mean, it, now, let's be honest. You're trying to be cool. Just like people are like, everybody knows that. I don't like the Beatles. Yeah, sure you don't. Everybody knows <laughs> that Star Trek is better than Star Wars anyway. I'm not going to argue that Star Trek is not better than Star Wars, but I love Star Wars for different reasons than I love Star Trek. You can love both. Yes. It's, it's like that stupid, like, are you a Rolling Stones or Beatles guy? That's asked by people that don't know a goddamn thing about music. <laughs> That's stupid. Well, it Star Trek even, or Star Wars, both, asshole. It's Shut not up. even about not knowing music. It's a stupid question. Yeah, it's just a dumb question. I like pizza and hamburgers. Right. <laughs> Thank you for calling THN Cover to Cover. Caller, who this? Hey, it's Amy from North Dakota. That's all we had to do was browbeat you and you called in. That's great. Right. I mean, you, you throw it right in my face like that and then you talk about Star Wars for half an hour. Fair enough. What do you want to rap about, Amy? You got to answer the call. Uh, so I think that uh, Leia does die, but I think the trailer's all misdirection. Oh, for sure. I, mean, I think I think all of that entire trailer, I think we're meant to think that he's going to kill his mom too. But yeah. I don't think that's what happened. And we were just talking about how Disney is really good with showing us these trailers and making it seem like they're giving us a lot. And then you go to the movie and you're like, oh, that was actually a pretty inconsequential part of the movie. You know, like we thought we got all of Thor. Right. Turns out there was a lot more Mm -hmm. Thor there, you know. Well, and if you think about what the Force Awakens trailers were like, it was the same kind of thing where, like, you think you you can figure out what the story is about and then sort of goes a different way. Oh, yeah. So... Yeah, I'm super excited. I think it's going to be awesome. But I, I think I also don't think that Kylo Ren, I don't think he gets redemption. I don't think that they're close enough to that. I mean, maybe I guess it depends on what happens in this movie. Do you think maybe he's like, evil? Do you think by he's the time full they get to nine? But I mean, they're they're pretty far from from that. But like, so, do you think he's? I don't know if he's, he's going to be like the dark. main villain. But. Yeah, that's my question. Is he like a Sith Lord? Is he really dark, or is he fake in the funk? Yeah, I don't know. I, mean, I don't think and I guess he's it faking on, it. No, I don't think he's faking it either. But I think it's like it kind of depends on who's pulling the strings. Like how they, what they do with Snoke, I think, will make a big difference. Yes. Like who is Snoke really, and how much is he manipulating? You know, the other pawns in his game or whatever. Like he's definitely uh, how much not. Of it is he, Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's okay. How much is like how much is he is he being coerced into things? How much right. is he making decisions? Yes. No, yeah. I agree Where, with like, that. Vader, you know, Vader was all, I mean, he did have the Emperor as his master, but he was making those choices to be like the most horrible badass that ever lived. Oh, definitely. Stuff like that. Definitely. You know, so it's with Kylo, it's like, is he really making those choices for himself? So like, I don't think he's, you know, I don't think he's brainwashed, but I think no. it's a very similar arc that Anakin had. Yeah. Where, you know, right. He was raised, he was raised to be, well, not uh, different in the sense that like Anakin, no, Anakin was basically adopted by the Jedi Yeah, at a very right. young age and raised to be this hero. He didn't get to make these choices for himself. Right. He turned on his own. And he like succumbed to jealousy and bitterness and blah, blah, blah. He got blah. really mad when he thought he killed his girlfriend. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Well, and I mean, in his Palpatine, you know, Palpatine was manipulating him in the way that possibly Snoke is manipulating Kylo. Right. Sure. You know, um, it could be, it could be that they could go that same because they have, you know, obviously they've copied previous arcs from Star Wars. Like Force Awakens was full of, you know, using old themes again and yep. it's just different characters. And so they could definitely be going definitely. that way definitely. with him where Snoke so, is, is to Kylo like Palpatine was to Anakin. Okay. Let me ask you this. And they could be going that way. Let me okay. ask you this. Do you think Leia and Luke both die in this movie, clearing the third movie for all the new characters only. No. Um, I, th- I think they both die. I don't think they both die in this one. I think Luke could die in this movie. No, I don't. I don't. Uh-uh, I don't think so. I think he dies in nine. I think okay. I think if Luke had been more than just a cliffhanger in, in seven, maybe, but this is, this yeah. would be basically our, our, our reunion right. with Luke for the first time in right. 30 yep. years. I don't think they're going to 
end it that quick. Well, no, no, and I and he could they, be you know, a they, ghost they, they tonight. Films. He could be a Jedi spirit hanging around like no. Obi Wan was. No. You know, I'm just saying. Maybe I don't think so. I, I do think he dies because I think they're gonna. I mean, this is gonna be like nine's gonna be the end of the Skywalker yeah. saga thing, and Luke has to die. Like right? they, I mean, right? Like I think they both have to die, but. I don't think they both die in the same movie. Okay. I think that with all the rewrites they did and stuff after Carrie Fisher, I, I think that Leia dies in this one and Luke dies in nine. So they'll let so this be, they'll let this be Leia's big set. If I was, if I was playing Vegas, that's what I'd put down on. I like, no, I, I agree. I, I would give that. Even I odds. don't, um, I don't know if I, I don't know if I agree. I don't, well, I do think that Luke, I, think I do think that Luke, back after, I do think that they will kill like Luke eventually. Yeah. But I think I think they will because I think he'll kind of take on the Obi Wan yeah, role. You have to. You so have to. Then but that we'll, sacrifice gets made again or whatever. And but, and who is the last Jedi? Is it Luke or is it Ray? Well, Ray's not know. a Jedi. I mean, I guess it's yeah. <laughs> yeah, Ray's not, Ray won't ever be a Jedi. That's the thing. So yeah. it's probably Luke because so it's probably Luke, right? He's not. He, like, he won't train like. She's a force user, but she's not a Jedi, and she won't be a Jedi because there's no one to train Jedi except for Luke, and he's obviously not in that game anymore. So, yeah. or he gets killed. I don't know. I, I just I find it hard yeah. to believe that they're going to close the door on the Jedi. You know what I'm saying? Like they well, might they might say goodbye to the Skywalkers, and, and right. uh, I I think they should, and I think they should definitely move right. into new territory with the next batch right. of movies. But and keep in mind, and Amy just said it: just because the Jedi are gone doesn't mean the Force right. is gone. Doesn't mean the Force users no. are gone. And, well, it just means this you know, order of, of knights. Of, uh, <laughs> and a lot of them don't think they're going that great Jedi route, where it's like the 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 balance of the Force is to have Force users that you know, fall in the middle of right. dark and light. Oh, sure. Yeah. So and it is might, a gray they area. They might do that with Ray. Maybe that'll be Ray and Kylo by the end of this. Ooh. And there'll be this like, that's what I'm wondering. Gray Jedi thing. Cause they kind of allude to it on like rebels and stuff where yeah. like, that's kind of what happened to, you know, Ahsoka and some of the other people that left the order. Yeah, right. definitely. Uh, they kind of, you know, so they could be going that Jake gray Jedi route. All right. So, Enough story theory, enough plot theories. I want to know who you think Ray's parents are. Yoda uh, and Mon Mothma. <laughs> I hope she's not. I will say this. I hope she's not a Kenobi because that's a you know theory out there too. Like she's like the daughter or grand, like granddaughter of Obi-Wan, right? She'd have to but be like a great granddaughter, right? I would like to right? think. No. I would think that. He's only been like, dead I want for- to think that Obi-Wan never broke his Jedi vows. Like, I want to think that Obi-Wan is the one who was, like, all in on the Jedi because he spent 20 years on Tatooine just babysitting, you right. know, Luke. Right, uh, So I, I want to think that, like, <laughs> like he, he didn't never, get I mean, even though, drunk in the cantina one night. <laughs> right. <laughs> Go like, home with the golden girl that's Kenobi watching the bar. Because, <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, so I, I would like to think that if anybody was going to, you know, break their vow or whatever, it would have been Luke because he wasn't fully you know, trained or in like he wasn't raised in the Jedi order. Like right. Obi-Wan was. I mean, whatever. Luke so was, Luke was barely a real Kenobi. Jedi. He had that baby face too. Ladies loved him. He did that eighties. <laughs> right. I, I mean, mean, come on. He was, he was too cute. And stuff. Yeah. Making out with his sister, you know, come on. <laughs> I think, so, you know, I mean, I, I've heard, I people, don't know if she belongs to Luke or Leia, but I hope she's not. Yeah. I, 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 she's probably a Skywalker somewhere along the line. She has to be at some point, right? It's yeah. just like, come on. I just don't. Like, I, and I realize it's too obvious, but it almost has it to be too obvious. It seems very obvious, right? It has to well, be. Like, and what, what other mm-hmm. solution would be right. satisfying? Oh, she's Lando's kid. Right, like, yeah. what? Or she's no, like, she's, <laughs> yeah, turns yeah, out she's related to IG 88. Right. Know? Like, she's Mace well, Windu's you know, I mean, what the, how does that niece. fucking work, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, you need, or, or you know, just don't do something stupid where they try and tie it in the prequels, like she's Count Poo Poo's kid or something, you know, or like. (laughs) Well, you have to think about like why would she get left on Jakku? You know, she somebody was hiding her from somebody else. So another desert planet where a kid is squirreled away, so nothing happens to them. (laughs) She's got to be a Skywalker. She has to be. Uh, yeah, I, she is. But it's just whether she belong, whether she, her and Kylo are siblings or cousins. Nerd bet. Right now, you she's know. a Skywalker. Matt says she's a Skywalker. Yeah. Well, I think it's obvious that she's yeah. a Skywalker. I think the nerd bet is: bet? is she Luke's kid or is she Leia's kid? Do you want to bet against it or not? Yeah. No, I'm, I'm making saying, a I'm different okay. bet. Okay, I'll, yeah. I'll go further. Skywalker, Luke's kid, Leia's kid. We're saying kid. Leia's kid. Yep. So Leia had I think she's twins. Luke. There's yeah. no well, reason to believe that Ray and Kylo are the same age. 
I yeah. guess that's true. Yeah. Is yeah. Han, okay, is Han her dad? Yeah. Okay, what if Luke's her dad? We saw Luke make out with Leia, you know? I mean, I'm just saying. <laughs> All right, we're done here. We're done here. Amy, thank you for your call. <laughs> thank you, know, you so much, Amy. I'm sorry good. we had well, to beat you up to I get you to pass. call. Sorry, I couldn't pass up talking Star Wars. No, All that right. was great. That was awesome. Thank you. <laughs> Have a good day. All right. Take it easy, guys. See ya. Man, we're getting deep here. Okay, before we do any more Star Wars, I need someone to call and talk about Jurassic Park. The other day when the trailer launched, I was just like, ugh. Who gives a shit? Because I'm sorry, but the last Jurassic Park no, was it's bad. bad. It, it was, was bad. not a good movie. No. It was not a good movie. And our friend Carl, like, puts up the trailer. He's like, oh, my God, in all caps, I'm so in. That guy hates I'm everything. so in, yes. Carl hates everything hates new everything. and fun. Yes, and he's totally in on this. And I just responded, really? Really, Carl? <laughs> yeah. <then> like, <laughs> I don't get it. I understand it made a bunch of money. That doesn't mean it's good. Transformers movies make a bunch of I mean, money. I, we they all are knew not that good. they were going to make another Jurassic World movie, but I'm not excited about it. No. I need to hear somebody that is. I want to hear why. I also want to talk about the question of the week. Your comic book destroyer of worlds. Well, let's just talk about ours while we the wait. The guy or the girl that came in and took over one of your beloved books and ruined it. <laughs> You want to set yours up so they can hear what we're talking about? Yeah, sure. I mean, I kind of already hinted at mine, uh, yeah. though I don't know if I... I don't know if Chuck Austin is my answer. I almost don't want to give Chuck Austin that power. Like, Chuck Austin did a lot of stuff that sucks. Yeah. And it was stupid, but it was very easy and to go... And it's not that I don't still love the X-Men. No, and it, but it was very easy to go, I'm just not going to pay attention to this because we all know it's going away. It's just dumb. It was dumb. Yeah. Um, For those who don't know, Chuck Austin was the guy that made Wolverine... The, a member of a long line of dog people made night. <laughs> no, no, that was Jeff Loeb. Jeff Loeb took that ball and ran with no, it. No, 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 no. Jeff Loeb really? is the one that introduced the idea that Wolverine and Sabretooth were descended from Romulus. From, from yes, uh, because he did not, and 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 also from the same kind of lineage, feral Sasquatch. Oh yeah, anybody with hair. Yeah, right. Anybody uh, with because hair. Jeff Loeb does not know the difference between a cat, a dog, a, <laughs> a, a forest badger, Look, and man, a mythical creature. They're all mammals. <laughs> At the end of the day, they all came from Adam. We know that. Come on. All right. We got another call coming in. Thank you for calling THN Caller. Let's try that again. Thank you for calling THN Cover to Cover Caller. Who dis? What's going on, guys? David Robbins calling. David Robbins? All right. How, how the hell are you, sir? I am well, sir. How are you gentlemen doing? Having a fine day. I'm fair to middling. I'll be honest. I have a bit uh, of a headache. I had a little too much to drink. I'm last a little night. gassy. I'm a little gassy. Other than that, I'm great. Yeah, it stinks you know. in here. What do you want to rap about, Dave? Well, uh, I just uh, stumbled on the uh, live feed and uh, wanted to call and answer, talk about the question of the week. Let's do it. We were just discussing ours, but let's hear yours. Okay, so I don't have a, an exact name, but my answer is going to be whoever came onto the X books at any time during the 90s and 2000s that took them to space. <laughs> okay. okay. Every time they took them to space. Every time. Ed Brubaker, for example. That was a really long story, too. It was a long story, and no one cared. And this is Ed fucking Brubaker. The guy's amazing. Uh, yeah. But we went and met Shire dude with the like, Mohawk. Final, fan Final yeah. Fantasy Seven guy. He was a Final Fantasy character. Yeah. So you don't like yeah. any X-Men space stories? Okay, so Phoenix is a good story. Yeah. I, you know, and uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. But the X-Men are an allegory for racism in American culture. Yes. And when you, when you take them to space... And they have rollicking adventures, and they introduce a third Summers brother, and all this Ugh. kind of crap. Yeah. It just turns it to garbage. I would argue the problem with the third Summers brother was more along the lines of that classic Professor X is a jerk trope. You know, where we're just well, yeah. like, he did, Professor X did all this secret shit. It like really right. makes him an asshole. Like he wanted to have sex with Jean when she was a kid. He had a whole team of X people that he murdered before. Like yeah. he put together this team. Went, he no, didn't I've never done murder this before. Them. <laughs> they just died horribly. Welcome my and first I'm not, X-Men. And I'm not, saying, I'm not saying there aren't good stories that involve some X characters in space. The, the recent Cyclops miniseries or, or uh, you know, canceled series with uh, time-displaced Cyclops traveling with Corsair that was, was wonderful. Amazing. It was so good. Yeah. No, I just love the Star Chambers. It was really, really good. And, you know, and, and the, just the, the interactions and, and things. 
there are decent stories of X-Men in space, but let's not talk about, you know, Colossus on Breakworld and, uh, yeah. you know, Kitty yeah. Pride being phased inside of a giant bullet. And uh, just, space bullet. That was Whedon. That was all Whedon. Yep. I, I know. And I, and you know, you know my love for Whedon. And I, it's just kind of like, can we just please take the X Men out of space? Okay. I'm going to get controversial here. I'm going to get real controversial because I feel like Astonishing X Men is held up as this milestone for the X Men with Whedon and Cassidy, like on that short series. And while at sure. the time I thought it was very pretty and it brought some very good characterization to, to the X peeps. I'm with you. Yep. I did not care about that story. It was dumb. It had moments, but the, the plot was, was it forgettable. Was dumb. The, the character, the character stuff is what yes. sets that. Like if you want to do yeah. a story, not where, the plot where Kitty and Pete are in love again. Oh yes. I please. honestly, I couldn't even tell you what was happening in that later, in that, um, that later storyline where there's like, there's a slug or something yeah. in a weird metal coffin yeah. in the basement of the man. Yeah. What is even happening? Yeah. It got so it's weird. It's Cassandra I, I, Nova or or something, and she's some sort of weird parasite. I don't care. I, yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know. But, I mean, you for all of the bad plot you have in that, you have moments of Wolverine perched on the footboard of the bed, yes. calling Scott out, and him blasting him through, through a window. Right, yeah. yeah. There you was know, some great stuff you, that happened. I love that Colossus came back. The way they brought Colossus yeah. back was dumb. Yeah, it was yeah, just absolutely. dumb. Like, like she... Absolutely. So who was the guy that stabbed himself in no, the heart No, it was Colossus, okay. it, but I believe the it story was. was that they swapped bodies. Like, before they cremated him... <laughs> The aliens Why? snuck down and stole his body and replaced him with the, a because the the duplicate. aliens of Breakworld revered Colossus as their god. Yeah, he was like the breaker of worlds or whatever or something. Yeah, like that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Dumb. You know, it's like I I I love me some X Men. You know, like there are there are series that nobody remembers that are amazing. Like Pride and Wisdom is an amazing miniseries. Oh my god, that was so good. I loved that. You know, when they, when they take characters and don't, that, that aren't used for much and do great things with them, the perfect example of letter of lesser used characters is Avengers arena. Yes. Oh, that is one of the best yes. series in the last 10 years. We were huge fans of yeah, Avengers yeah. arena. That, and that's one of like Joe and I's favorite things is when you like turn the camera slightly and go, you know what? We're going to follow these schmucks. And we're gonna yep, absolutely we're gonna adapt them into real characters and put them in situations where they may or may not act like the heroes that you're used to reading because they're not the heroes you're used to reading. They're young, or they're not very good at this, or they're bad let, guys. Let me go out on a side limb here. Let me go out on a, on a side prediction here. You guys are fans of the play Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead. Absolutely, I love that play, and I love the movie adaptation yeah. too. It was wonderful. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Tim, my, my girlfriend oh, can't get past the coin flips at the beginning of it. Oh, it's so, <laughs> so good. The, uh, I think you sold me, Dave. I don't so, think I give a shit about the X Men in space. You know, I I, yeah, I love I, the Imperial Guard. I love. I like it when it's done well, but yeah. I agree that it's very rarely done well. Yeah. Now I will say, yeah. when aliens come to Earth and mess with the X Men, yep. I'm fine with it. It made yeah, sense. Professor X was in love with the Shire Princess for a while. You know, like they had connections. I get it. Yeah. But I don't need yeah, yeah, Xavier, right. Xavier and Lalandra or the Phoenix Force is coming to Earth yeah. and drags them, you know, into this crap. Fine and, with that. Yeah, that's that's fine stories. But when suddenly they need to go into space for some reason. That's Avengers territory. Meh. Like the That's Avengers, Avengers and Fantastic Four yes, territory. The Avengers can go to space. Fantastic Four, by yeah. all means, go to outer space. You know, it's awesome when you absolutely. Do. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's like Keep Spider Man. I don't need Spidey going to space, and I don't need the X Men going to space. You know, you know, and it, it, I will agree with you. I don't need Spidey going to space. I am a Venom apologist. I like the concept <laughs> of the character. Did you? Okay, I actually also did you read Venom that? Incorporated Alpha Number One this week. It's in my stack, but unfortunately, I'm like a physical uh, resident of the lake house. I've got about a two foot stack to, to get. Okay, <laughs> that's right fair. Now. That's, that's fair. Yeah. All right. Um, um, I, I, I like physically, I am, I just got through like Weapon X and Weapon H and like Generation no. X number one is sitting oh. on the top of my stack. Good news. And, you know, I'm, I, 
Weapon H is so getting I, his own ongoing series. Yeah, I'm so glad. I don't understand why. Well, apparently we demanded it. I don't know. <laughs> David demanded oh, okay. it. Yeah, I don't remember demanding it, but I guess I threw a fit. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so yeah, Ven- Ven- Venom Inc. is in the stack. It's going to be a while to get to it. I've I've got a bunch of stuff that is top priority above that. As a Venom fan, you will be yeah. pleasantly surprised. And I, you know what? I will say kudos to you for uh, being dedicated to reading your comics in the order that you acquired them. Yes. Uh, Because I am terrible at that. I will put, I will put things aside and read the new flashy thing. And the next thing I know I'm 10 inches behind on something. Me too. Kudos for being a Venom fan too. I feel like that's brave. When I get current, when I get current on a series, those will go to the top of the stack every week and I'll stay current as much as possible. And then I'll read a giant chunk of something. And now that is also current and I'll, I'll read that stuff. So I I try and, and, get through stuff. So I'm current on the, the two green lantern books over at DC. I'm mostly a Marvel guy, but uh, you know, like, and honestly, the carnage series that they recently did, the, 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 the dark hold book series, that was a fun read. Do we review the first one? I think we reviewed, I think you I didn't read have. it. No, maybe I did. Yeah, I think I did. It was a fun read and the art was pretty decent for, you know, a third tier kind of book. I just don't it, care it about was, carnage. It was I do not. Care. I usually, I, never I usually don't carnage. either, but occasionally they do something good with him. He's not a character that needs an ongoing, no. but when they have a good five or six issue series that they can tell a decent story with, yeah, that's kind of oh. awesome. And when there's a cult that worships the dark hold and thinks that carnage is like their, their God, and they're going to like give it to, and then carnage twists it and takes over and tries to kill all of them. That's a fun story. I Jerry, do love they're bringing the dark hold, but <laughs> Jerry Conway yeah. wrote it. I, I believe right? Jerry Con- like the legendary Spider-Man writer, creator of the original Clone Saga, Jerry Conway, I think wrote the most recent Carnage book. Uh, Let's have a look. I can neither confirm nor deny that. The one that got away by Jerry Conway? I don't know if it's the same one with the Darkhold in it. Conway but. says Carnage on a blood-drenched cross-country trip. Yeah, this was, this was back in 2015, right? That might be it, yeah. Yeah, it was him and Clayton Crane, I believe. Oh yeah, Clayton Crane is a really yeah. good artist. No, that was there was one after that. There was no, one you're right. That. You're right. That was the one where he like took over the small town and the Avengers. Yeah, yeah. Came I think in. that was Carnage USA. Something like that. Yes, but that was also yeah. Jerry Conway. He's been doing some Carnage work. Hey. And you know, Clayton Crane is the perfect artist to go with Carnage because the way Clayton Crane draws, yeah. uh, you know, whatever it, it is perfect for the, the symbiote tentacles and the tendrils and the ridiculousness that Carnage kind of comes up with. Yeah. No, I don't disagree. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you I've never read a good Carnage story. I just don't particularly care about the character. I feel like Venom, exactly. Venom you know, was enough. You know, and every time they, they come up with a, a mini that tells a decent story, like, there, I, I firmly believe there are too many symbiotes out there now because we've got, you know, Venom, Carnage, Toxin, uh, <laughs> hey, Shriek. Whatever, uh, man. There's... Give me a good, give me another good story about Carnage's granddaughter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If, if they, honestly, if, it, if they come up with a good story, I'll probably read it. I'll, I'll check out at least issue one. Fair enough, Dave. We appreciate your call, man. No problem, guys. If I don't talk to you before, have a great holiday season. Yeah, you, you too, do buddy. the same. All right, buddy. Excelsior! That is it for THN 470. If you dig comic podcasts and appreciate a good prison orgy, you can subscribe to this show on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. THN is a listener-supported podcast, and we want to send a Hulk Buster Scythe thank you to everyone that supports this show on PayPal and Patreon. I know that Patreon has made some changes. People are pretty up in arms about it. Yeah, it's um, starting to sound like they may roll back. I hope that's true. Yeah. And uh, whatever happens, we appreciate you guys for your yes. support. Yes. Um, without you guys, we can't afford the assorted bottles of Manischewitz, no joke, that we are definitely going to need for next week's debauchery. Before we go, our weekly shout out goes to DC production manager, Katie Duray. Hope I'm saying that right. Kate lost her home in the wildfires, currently turning Southern California into hell on earth. Have you seen those pictures? It's unreal. It is terrifying. It's unreal. One of her co-workers set up a GoFundMe campaign to help Kate and her husband rebuild their dream home. There's a picture of what their house looks like now. They literally just bought it, and it was destroyed. Word to you guys, and we will have links to the GoFundMe in our notes here if you nerds want to help out a fellow nerd in need. Until next time, true believers, remember to pre-order your comics or your retailer might just come over to your house and remove your dirty purples. Yeesh. Yeah, you know why. 
Jeez. This is the Two-Headed Nerd, signing off. Is that why people don't pick up their comics? <laughs> They're scared. Really? They're junk? They're,